Welcome to episode five, season two of the Premiership Quarter. Mus, great to be with you as always. Great to be back discussing another week of fantastic football. It was an interesting one. Uh, good, uh, good evening to our viewers in our listeners in Lebanon, uh, the the subcontinental regions, um, Italy. Uh, just checking the just checking the uh, the stats from last week's stream. Yeah, just a real multicultural base supporter base we have here at the Premiership Quarter. It's um, it's great. Yeah, let's, let's hope those people from Lebanon actually know what football is. Mm, yeah, I definitely didn't use a VPN and then just go and listen to it from every country myself. But um, <laughs> no, it was it was a good it was a good week of football. Um, we still have two teams moving into round seven undefeated. Yes, uh, the D's and the Dogs. Who um, the double D's? Who who is facing off this week? No, it's the Dogs and Richmond. So Richmond have just copped a double header, and Melbourne have got the exact. So well, Melbourne have got the exact opposite. Melbourne have got Melbourne have got North, so that you can book it. Um, I'm bloody excited for the D's taking on the Dogs in round that 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 match is in round eleven. Now I don't know if you remember, but in two thousand and nine, oh no, um, yes, no, two thousand nine, St Kilda and Geelong were both undefeated till round thirteen, and on a Thursday or a Friday night, I believe they faced off at um, at the Telstra Dome, as it was called then. They should never change the name. At the Cats and the Saints, both undefeated, twelve and zero, faced off. Had it go down. Uh, the Saints won under controversial circumstances in the last fifteen seconds, I believe. Um, now, those two teams went on to face off in the grand final. I don't know whether the Dogs and the Ds are going to do the same, but it'd be pretty interesting. No one would have picked it. The supporter base would be in insane. What, an all-Melbourne final. Um, two teams, literally, that haven't had an insane amount of success. Well, well, Melbourne has the longest existing premiership drought uh, in the league. Yeah. Uh, I think it's... 62, something like that, 62, 63, 64 years. So look, to be honest, ironically, this is a little side thing before we get into proceedings, before we um, commence proceedings, I, I really don't feel like, despite the fact that Melbourne's got, you know, the name, and, you know, you'd think it's got a massive supporter base, um, I don't feel like I've met that many Melbourne supporters in my life. Um, I don't know. I, I've met a fair few. I'd say... Oh, I'm, I'm talking comparatively as speaking. The, as one of the OG teams, like, they're, they're pretty up there. Well, the OG team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's just ironic, because I feel like a lot of people... Because, like, if you're a Melbourne football club supporter, where do you live, you know? Like, where where do that's you true, actually live? So, you know... A lot uh, of people we associate with uh, from our area, and then they tend to vote for the same team. Well, exactly. And the thing is, you know... Um, Back when Melbourne was the only Melbourneian club, yeah, sure. Um, but they, I mean, that would have been like, what, three days, two days? Um, but, you know, back when it was, back in its, you know, um, incipient years, it, you could you could argue it would have been pretty popular. But given now that there are clubs geographically covering Melbourne, you know, just think about how many clubs there are ge- which are geographically in proximity to Melbourne. North Melbourne, you've got Richmond and Collingwood, which are basically rimming Melbourne, and, yeah. like, it's... They're all in one little circle. But anyway, we're getting way off track here. Look, the Ds still have 
a ridiculous supporter base. I'm I'm sure, and I'm sure their number their their membership numbers are uh, skyrocketing, going through the roof right now. This is the time to hop on the bandwagon. Um, I've got I've got the numbers from 2020 here. Yeah. They had 40,000. 40, 40, 40,000 members. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's low compared to a lot of the other teams. You know, Col- it is uh, very low, actually, Collingwood yeah. and Richmond would be leading up in the mid 70s. I'm pretty sure. Um, so, and I think. Well, no, sorry. Richmond is way Richmond, ahead. 100,000. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, Richmond, yeah. Richmond, 100,000. Collingwood and, and Hawthorne, West, West I think. West Coast, 100,000 as well. Yeah, well, I mean, West Coast is a bit more um, understandable, but... Yeah. Um, Look, Carlton, I don't know why any members... Uh, why anyone's really buying a membership at this point. Mm. Exactly. I don't know. Really oh, look, I'd like to just do a quick shout-out to any to all the St Kilda members. Imagine funding that absolute garbage. 48,000. They've got more than Melbourne. Yeah, incredible. I tell you what, for all the St Kilda supporters, I, I have major respect for them to just stick to stick through the absolute putrid brand of football they've had to experience for so. Oh, well, you know what? Actually, in the for the better part of the twentieth, the twenty first, they're not that bad. They've been good over the last like three years. I, okay, well they've been okay over the past couple of years, but they've won more wooden spoons than any other club. They haven't won a premiership in fifty four years. It's oh, yeah, fifty five years I think it is now. The club, I mean, come on. I mean, there are people who are fifty four years old who have never seen um, a premiership. You know, there are people who are yeah, and, and before that, like you know, one premiership, one premiership in uh, over one hundred thirty years. I'm sorry, I just don't know whether that's yeah, it's tough. I, I got into this last week. I don't want to people think I hate St Kilda, um, but you know, it's rough. At this point, they probably do. But anyway, um, coming back to it, it was. A good week of football, a great week. Uh, it, it started off great. GWS and the Bulldogs, one of the, you know, some one of the more contemporary rivalries. We had the 2016 prelim where the Dogs polished off GWS in an all-time classic. Um, it was, it's usually quite a rough clash, but the Dogs just they had the legs, and they in the fourth quarter, as so many team, so many of the good teams seem to do, they just they just pull away and just yeah. and just break your hearts. Definitely, um, um, the dogs were just too good on the day, and the Giants. I, I got to say, they did put up a mighty fight hmm. until the third quarter. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, the dogs, however, have gone down with some with some key injuries. Uh, Josh yeah. Dunkley to go undergo a shoulder reco. I really feel for him. I reckon he was a Brownlow Smoky. Actually, not even a Smoky. He was a he was an arguable front runner. We mentioned in last week that he was probably the the key to their to their puzzle, but. You know, now that they don't—they're not only going to have him out, you know, with a soft tissue or something like that. This, this two or three weeks, he's out for sixteen weeks. So, yeah, um, that's that—that that hurts. That hurts. I tell that you what, it hurts in the face. But I t- look, luckily they have about forty-seven other midfielders um, who aren't getting a game that you know, aren't even that far off the pace. Like you've got um, Anthony Scott. Um, to come in, well, he has been playing, but I think he's got to step up. Mm. Well, Lipinski's going to come in, and he's yeah. been playing. <clears throat> he's played well every game. He's just been unlucky. He's just the one that keeps getting pushed out the back. So now he'll play um, a full season, and then it's just going to be basic for the dogs. It's going to be a lot of air midfielders there is going to be competing to keep a spot. But it was it was a good game. Uh, Liba two goals, twenty seven touches, phenomenal. Uh, to the votes, uh, one vote. To Lockie Ash, um, fourth draft pick a couple of years ago, 
Uh, he's really coming into it. He's having a breakout season. 83% disposal efficiency for 35 touches. Um, Incredible. He's... Yeah, he was the one that was was keeping them moving, keeping the ball movement, um, or, you know, just retaining that ball movement from the back. It, it's elite. It's very elite. Uh, Toby Green, unlucky, unlucky to miss out on the votes, but they didn't win the game, so uh, unlucky, Tobes. Uh, two votes to Son of Tony. Tom. Son of Tony. Son of Tony, Tom. Uh, Liberatore. Best game of the season for him. Two goals, 27 touches, 10 tackles. The Thank bloke... The bloke was, um, he was riding them. He was. Uh, and three votes to the Brownlow favourite. Best player in the comp for me. He's leading the AFL coaches' votes. He's, oh, no, he's not. He's he's close to it. David Mundy's leading the coaches' votes. But, look, he's, he, oh, it's hard to look past him. He, he arguably should have, you know, been in the top three the past couple of years. But Jack McRae... 40 touches, a goal. The bloke is literally unstoppable. And he's running at 78% disposal efficiency. When you're having 40, 78 is very passable. So, well done, Jack. At Geelong, West Coast. Um, what the hell was this? Look, um, I have no words to explain how badly West Coast played. They didn't even turn up, Tom. They didn't even turn up, okay? This was a joke. I mean, if I was... A, if I was Total thrashing. Um, this was not worth. Cats, this was not worth the price of admission. Oh, not at all. Not at all. The Cats, in fact, had 136 more disposals in the game than um, than the Eagles themselves. Mm, well, that's 136. Yeah. Well, Geelong just led in just about every single key metric. You know, disposals, kicks, handballs, inside fifties, uh, clearances. It was, um, it's a 10% just, uh, efficiency difference as well. Oh well. Down here. Well, that's just ridiculous. I mean. Yeah. The, they also won the Fred kick count, but it's not it's not hard to understand why when West Coast you know when, when you're losing you get irritable you start making silly mistakes and and that's understandable. Um, you certainly can't blame a Fred kick count for a ninety point deficit. Look, um, West Coast are missing a couple of big names. More importantly, um, they're missing leadership at the moment. Shannon Hearn um, in defence, they're probably their leader up back there with Jeremy McGovern. Hearn's missing. And Luke Shuey, uh, their best players missing, so and captain, so two key leaders, and without them, who's their leader? Well, Gas really got to step up and. <coughs> I would say he does, um, but I just don't. Andrew Gaff to me, he's, he's like a, he's like a, he's like the silent family member at the gathering. That's just I don't know. He, he just I, I, don't, I don't feel like he's. Tall. He spoke to anyone since he knocked out Andrew Brayshaw a couple of years ago. I feel like he hasn't spoken. <laughs> I feel like he literally hasn't said a word to anyone in his family since then. But he's, he's playing well. But, yeah. Um, look, to the votes. Um, one vote to Jack Henry oh, from Geelong. Um, 19 touches, a goal, running at 95% disposal efficiency. Not bad. Good size. Uh, eight, pers- uh, eight intercept possessions. Um, that's a career-best game for him. Uh, the two yeah. votes to Cam Guthrie, your man. Good old Cam and the team. Um, I'd say Duncan was Duncan was the standout though. Look, mate, Duncan. Oh, yep, yeah. The performance of the weekend for sure for me. Um, Twenty six touches, four goals, the goal of the year, kicking a sixty. Yeah, I, I think um, he didn't really have to have any of those twenty six touches. He just needed one touch, and that was a kick, and it was a tall. 
Oh, man. But the, well, I think it should be worth 12. You know, that, we don't see that ever these days because no one's got the balls to line up from 60 and just let it rip. People, you have to have an excuse these days. And in this case, the yeah, excuse yeah, was the yeah. siren. Look, he did have an excuse, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you're 50 points up. Whack one through, mate. Humiliate the opponent. I, I'd do it. It's, it's Everyone loves seeing it. Every time someone gets onto a barrel, they say, bring back the barrel until a year's time when the next person gets onto a barrel and we say, bring back the barrel. No one's ever going to bring back the barrel. Um, but why not? I think, Especially I with think, the... No, I think the barrel has connotations of rush, rushed footy. Yeah. It's throw, throw it on your boot and get the ball out of wherever you are. Yeah, just chuck it out. Which yeah. is just exactly the exact opposite to what coaches are teaching at training. Mm. Well, I look, I'm, I, honestly, I think it's a, it's a it's a trainable skill. It's a teachable skill, and it's one worth investing in, especially for, you know, late moments in the game when, you know, say a fullback needs to just get it down. Imagine have, having a fullback who can unload a 100-meter torp when they need to. That's uh, that's almost three-quarters of the ground. Like, I mean, you'd have to have quite the quadriceps to do so, but, I mean, it's worth... I think it's a skill worth investing in. Anyway. Um, one, just bring back Anthony Rocker. Oh, bring him back. Bring back Anthony Rocker. Bring back Sav Rocker. Bring back Rocky Balboa. Um, bring back, bring back uh, Gold Coast Sydney. Um, pff, I, I really didn't see this coming. Yeah, another unexpected result. Um, I'd say this this round really had a lot of upset, didn't it? Hmm. Look, um, I feel oh, you, you got a question now. The Swannies, um, they went out hard out of the blocks. Had to use. Uh, an, uh, an analogy from your neck of the woods, but I went out of the blocks hard, and then they stumbled. Yeah, yeah I, they I didn't tie Sydney's, their shoelaces. Yeah, Sydney's got a few issues with um, their youth. Um, they haven't been really great over the last couple of weeks. Mm, maybe overhyped. You got Kennedy with forty plus touches. Look, that's and he's averaging. He's averaging what twenty six, I think it was. Mm. Um, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. Well, look, yeah. they had a couple so, of... Two Miller's been playing well, hasn't he? Mm. Oh, well, well, I think Two Miller's just flown under the radar because he's played for the worst team in the competition. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, look, the Swans, they had some rough injuries. Uh, George Hewitt and Nick Blakey went off. Um, but, I mean, they could have stayed on. wasn't going to change anything. But And they've got Buddy out. But, yeah, you're right. The youth is the problem. They... It's easy to win games when you've got three blokes you just bring in who are 18 years old, kicking three goals each, and you know, hype, psyching up the rest of the team in the crowd. But when they start to, you know, when they start to deflate, and you know, they you see Sydney's youth. Um, sorry, Gold Coast's youth has been trained up in that youth kind of environment, so they've, mm. they've all had to. There's not there. There have been those mature leaders mm. because the majority of the team was actually quite young in the first place. They've all got to stand up and for get sure. around each other. For sure. When, when you go to Sydney, you've got the leaders. They're there. You're a youth and you're a, that's it. That's all you are. Yeah, exactly. You um, work your way up I feel like time. sometimes Gold Coast's youth, they're not like, oh, look at Gold Coast's youth because they're all young. Whereas of Sydney, yeah. it's like a, one you're of those normal teams. Exactly. That's it. You, you stand out because of your, you know, your age. It's a good point. Look, to the votes, Ben King, um, about time he starts standing up and, and winning his team games. Um, five goals, that's what they need from him. He's not a high-possession player, so he's got to make the use of what he gets, and that's what he did on the weekend. Um, two votes go to Tuke Miller. Um, 
if Gold Coast won more games, this bloke would be a shoe-in for the Brownlow, but um, they don't, so it's unfortunate for him. Nine tackles, 36 touches. Um, jo- Josh Kennedy was best on ground, but look, I, yeah. he'll grab well, the th- he'll grab I've got a three. special mention. Yeah. Um, I've got a special mention for Callum Sinclair. Yeah, okay. 54 hit-outs, Tom. Yeah, 54 hit-outs. How you going? In comparison to Graham's 11. Burgess is um, seven. Well, look, playing uh, playing Gold Coast at the moment as a ruck is is quite easy given what Gold Coast yeah, are dishing well, up. Like they don't, none of them are recognisable ruckmen. Like they're playing, they're playing players out of position to fulfil that role at the moment. So yeah, you'd hope so, but Sinclair put on a clinic. But dominant, exactly. But then again, again, just another instance of play of a team dominating the ruck, just like Collingwood seems to be doing every single game but not being able to get any, um, yeah, well, any, right. any bang for your proverbial. Um, look, a quick little mention to Noah Anderson, um, who is just flying so under the radar, it's not even funny. The bloke is averaging like 20, high high 20s. Uh, he had 34 on the weekend. Um He's averaging 27 disposals. Yeah. It, look, I'm just going to say, if Matt Rowe was doing this, um, there'd be fireworks going off every night. Yeah. Noah Anderson's doing exactly what what Matt Rowe was doing, maybe minus the goals. I think maybe if Noah was putting on some goals into addition, in addition to what he was doing, then, then yeah, he'd get the grip. But come on. Like, I mean, this bloke is literally playing unbelievable football. Um, yeah. And he's one of the reasons Gold Coast are winning games, and he's just not getting anywhere near the amount of attention he deserves. So, one of the more underrated players, Brisbane Carlton, um, Mars. Brisbane Carlton. Um, Back to the start off really, really well. It was a good game. It was a high pressure contest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's going on with the Blues and their five goal turnaround habits, but that's what happened in the second quarter, and that's what ultimately lost them the game um, because the contest was was great for the, remi- the remainder of the game mm. there was a contest there um, despite the minor skill errors from players like Saad that um, the Sunday footy show boys discussed um, where there was a lack of manning up um, you know touching the de- t- like there needs to be defenders need to be you know rustling the feathers of the the, mm. um, the four players there isn't any of that yeah just minor skill things that they're missing well but, that's an interesting will turn around there, there was it was a contest it's an interesting comment that was Sardi's worst game for you guys by a mile I only had the eleven touches no noticeable impact but one yeah. of the one of the things that I know a lot of Essendon supporters I've spoken to did say was that he was not always the coach's favourite because he was he wasn't necessarily a team player like he want, he knew his role and he played it but if he got asked to say tag a forward out of the game tag a exciting small forward out of the game he didn't want that he wanted to be the you know the one attracting all the oohs and the ahs so look yeah. I, I, I gotta say for Sadi mate you can't just expect to go to a new club and and always do your role I mean he's been great so far yep but Carlton are performing no better than Essendon at the moment so I'm sure he's starting to uh, I'm sure the, the seeds of doubt are probably making their way into his mind already. But look, again, it, it, it's the same old sort of performance dished up from the Blues in the end. They start well and they just can't finish yep. it off. Oh, I don't think we've even started well in the first place. Mm, oh, well, oh, if you're saying in the game, yeah. Yeah, no, in the game, sorry. Yeah, yeah, in um, the game. Um, 
yeah, look, we, we just come out, we apply the pressure, we look great. Oh, Carlton's back, Carlton's back. Second quarter, five goal turnaround. No mm. worries. Again, Paddy Cripps not kicking goals. It's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I've got down, I've actually, I wrote down during the game, Cripps missing captain's moments. Mm. Well, exactly. Is it, you speak about, well, you speak about a captain's goal. I mean, we always used to laugh about that because it's like, it's kind of stupid when you hear, oh, that's a captain's goal. Because, you know, yeah. what do you mean? It's just a goal, right? Every goal the captain the kick is going to be a goal. But the thing is, it's only a goal if it if it is go, if it goes through the middle two posts, you know? Cripps can't kick a goal. Like, he's the just... And there was that moment there. I think, um, I recall distinctly, there was a, a point in, which in the game where we were, I think, 12 points up. Mm. And we were going into, um, I think it was um, quarter time. We literally, it, Cripps was right in front and he missed it. And that could have just changed the whole the whole complex of the game, really. what You're going into quarter time with a, a three-goal lead. How does your opposition feel? How do you guys feel? You feel like you're on top. No, instead he misses, they go down the other end and they score a goal instantly. So two-goal turnaround, the game's on level terms again. There's no superiority complex or anything. And the other thing I was going to say, Danaher, what the hell is he doing? Mm. We'll discuss what? him later. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss him later in, in Pressure Point. Um, but to the votes, Daniel Rich grabbed the one, ultra solid as ever from up back. Uh, Walshy, friend of the Premiership quarter. Um, hopefully we'll get him on at some stage this year. He was great. A goal, 33 touches. I mean, he's just ice in the vein. It's ice in the vein sort of stuff from... From Sammy Walshy, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's a cunt, and he's been so good just kicking off this season. I mm. think he's been the top garden player so far. Definitely. Uh, and arguably robbed the best and fairest last year. Uh, the three votes go to Huey McCluggage. Um, he's very, again, severely underrated. Um, one of those players, however, if they can just kick their goal opportunities. He struggled with accuracy last year. You don't want to see him become a Crips. Because I tell you what, three goals, sorry, 33 touches and two behinds reads a lot different to 33 touches and two goals. Let me tell you. Yeah, it does. It's a big um, difference. I'd say McLeod is probably the best Brisbane player at the moment. Mm, for sure. Like, he's, Lions is good. Lions is good, but McLeod's just impact mm. with his touches are, are being a lot more prolific. Exactly. So. McCluggage has more impact than the Lions, for sure. Even though Lions yeah. is very consistent, and that's what you need yeah, as a midfielder. Sure. But with Neil going out with, uh, I think, a syndesmosis, or, yeah, I think a syndesmosis is an ankle, um, McCluggage is going to have to, well, he's going to have to do this every week. Um, moving on in the interest of time, Melbourne-Richmond, match of the round it was touted to be. Um, look, I mean, arguably it was, um, apart, apart yeah, it was from the Anzac match. Day game. Um, look, the Ds, they... They were challenged early, but they stood up, and it was surge football, as um, a lot of the pundits have been calling it. They, it was Richmond-like, a lot of their performance. Um, just high, high um, handball count. You know, Almost over 100 handballs more um, than the Tigers, which shows you how they're, just, they're electing to move the ball. They're running. It's a lot of gut-busting running from the Ds. Um, no, and certainly are the real deal. Oh, for sure. Um, um, props to I on. want to speak about their um, their midfield. So you got the dream duo of uh, Petrarch and Oliver. Is there a better duo in the AFL at the moment? It's a good Within it's a good field? question. I would say that McRae and Bont probably still just out w- just. would oust them, but 
oh, it's a, it's it's this sort of given it's on any given day sort of thing you know um because I'd say I'd pick McRae over over Oliver and I'd probably would pick Petrarca over Bond so um yeah. it, it's 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 very also tough to pick yeah exactly and he's just he's just he's just playing phenomenally um you know he wouldn't have lost a freak. He wouldn't have lost a hit out count in years. Max Gorn. So yeah, um, he's just got, so much respect for the guy. One of really the nicest guys. Some great pretty... coverage. Oh, for sure. Um, um, well, they got McDonald up front as well. And, oh um, yeah, they Salem at the back. So all over the ground, the D's are really dominant. Play. Exactly. They got Steve May, uh, Jake Lever, Adam Tomlinson up back, and then now you've got. They're, I mean, their forwards are just off the charts. You've got the small forwards, Spargo, Pickett, and then you've got what? You've got um, just the ones that are playing. You have Jackson, McDonald, Fritch. I still haven't even bought in Ben Brown or Sam Wiedemann. Like, imagine kicking four yeah. goals a week in the resis and not getting called up. Like, that's just oh, stiff. Um, any other, literally any other team, they're straight yeah, I in. Melbourne was a tough team to crack into. Exactly. But I... Literally any other football club right now, they're straight in as first choice key forwards. So it's tough for them, but I guess you got to earn your stripes at, um, at the D's at the moment. That's a good culture they to have. Stripes, but all good. No worries. Um, so Shy Bolton was uh, he grabbed the one vote. He's still he's Richmond's um, most. I'd say from now on, he's Richmond's. Most important, he's the player. I would say is the most important to keep on their list. He's got, he's about seven years younger than Dustin Martin, and he's playing at about the same level. So um, he could be their next big thing if they, they got to keep him. They got to sign him up. He's out of contract this year. Uh, the two votes to Petrarca, quite controversially maybe, um, but Salem was the best for me. He yep. he Great. he's just he's so clean with the way he disposes of the ball. Um, and even like he only ran at eighty percent disposal efficiency, but the ones he's disposing efficiently are just, whew, they are just beautiful. He's their best kick. <coughs> they had twenty four out of his thirty nine disposals being kicks. So, well done, Salem. Very underrated, as I said last week. I think the um, I think just going back to the standard haircut was key for him in that process. Um, Frio North. All right. Well, I mean, no one watched this. Um. <laughs> We literally said it last week. Yeah. No one, no one watched this, and no one attended it. So, I, like, like literally, no one actually. attended There was one man that attended it, and his name was Jack Zebel. Well, well, uh, look, Dave Mundy, he's probably gonna have a word to you, but look, Jack Zebel, that bloke is a walking super coach. You know, at, I reckon he actually runs super coach. And at this point, he probably does. And he's probably he's gone. Crazy. He's probably gone to David Noble and said, hey, can you put me up back? I'm not getting any touches up forward. Can I just grab some cheapies up back? I'm sorry. Jack Zabel, sure, he's playing all right. And he's, but, you know, they're very easy disposals to have. He'll grab the one vote. Um, no, Mundy, Mundy, uh, yeah. Mundy and, but Mundy and Sarong are in that order for three and two for me. Dave Mundy, he, just keep an eye on him. Keep your eyes peeled. This bloke could easily pinch the Brownlow out of nowhere if Frio go on a tear. I would absolutely... You'd have... It'd be one of the most popular things to happen in this city in a long time. Um, I don't know why I said this city. He's from Frio, but... Um, <laughs> I'm sure Melbourne would would support it. Anyway, um, 
Ooh, Shout out Caleb we'll, Gallery. We'll probably edit that out. Yeah, Caleb Sarong, also a friend of the Premiership quarter. Um, also a friend of the Premiership quarter. If he hits the 40 touch mark, we'll consider getting him on, but it's he's he's playing yeah, pretty well. Yeah, the Premiership quarter. We were uh, chuck a block with uh, special guests. Well, I mean, just look at the payroll, mate. It's just ridiculous at the moment. Um, it's taken me weeks just to get through. Anyway, Hawthorne. Like two lines to me at the moment. Hawthorne, the Crows. Um, just keep your mouth shut, thanks. Uh, Hawthorne, and the, <laughs> Hawthorne and the Crows. Um, geez, this segment's going on, isn't it? Um, Adelaide. How many minutes are we we're about to uh, we're about to reach the uh, the hour mile the milestone the half hour milestone. Um, so look, Adelaide Adelaide Crows. <coughs> I was about to say Adelaide versus the Crows. <laughs> um, Give us your best players for the next three games. No, yeah. I, I just I got I got to briefly discuss these first two games. The last one we'll zip through because it was that is boring as a bag of chips, but. Um, Depends what bag of chips. Yeah, it's that's opening another can of worms again. Um, this is why <laughs> these segments run so long. Um, this is why this friendship's really running way past its due date. But um, <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> look, Adelaide Hawthorne. We were having a kick. You can't go past Smith Crinkle Cut. But it, uh, <laughs> yeah, Red Rock Deli, also friends of the Premiership Club. But look. <laughs> I can't stop <laughs> the reason they're friends of the Premiership Quarter is you're freaking bankrolling them, mate. <laughs> you are letting them release these stupid flavours. Oh, yeah, Cinnamon Stick and Star Anise. Oh, yeah, let's chuck that as a chip yeah. flavour. Bloody lemon hell. Lemon, lime, and chocolate fudge. <laughs> what the bloody hell is going on there? Oh, my God. No one wants anything else other than freaking sweet chilli and sour cream anyway, so I don't know what the... Oh, and sorry, honey sweet chicken. Um... The, we're not even talking about football here. Adelaide and Hawthorne, that's a game of the round. I'm, I regret being asleep when this game took transpired. Um, you were asleep? Well, you were. At 12.30 in the afternoon? Well, yeah. And it's a Sunday, It's a Sunday, mate. It's a Sunday, all right? And, oh, yeah. We did, we did have a big night on Sunday, didn't we? Yep, us and... Uh, Sammy Walsh. Sammy Walsh, Paddy Dale. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but look. Hopefully, David Tate doesn't either. Look, keep trying, mate. Keep your eyes. <laughs> keep, oh, I was going to say keep your ears shut, but I said eyes. Interesting. Um, ben Keys. This bloke is going berserk at the moment. 13 tackles, 31 touches, a goal. Look, he could have won the game for them if he didn't kick it out in the full, but we'll, we're not going to remember that. We're just going to remember oh, what I he did think, do. I don't think we can narrow that down to Ben Keys when they're up by 30 points. Yeah, that's a good they're point. They're up by 32 points. Tom. Exactly, and Ben was a big reason they got there in the first place. But look at a quick little discussion on these <laughs> yeah, on these uh, these big bohemians up forward. Riley Philthorpe, 18 years, Mus, he's 18 years old, he kicked five goals. <laughs> He's kicked a handful, and Jacob Kajuski, um, he's kicked five goals as well, and he's only twenty years old. So, um, yeah, you'd be an idiot to take him out of your super coach after last. You week. would be, hence yeah. why I do the majority of the talking here um, at the Premiership Quarter because oh, he's still in my team. Um, yeah. we're not going to mention my overall score on Super Coach. Kajuski had eight scoring shots, Tom, and um, if I recall correctly, I think it was eight inside fifty marks, and that is up there with. Um, the best in Hawthorne's history with Franklin, um, that, or the likes of Franklin and um, oh, 
to escape me. But rough head, um, oh, yeah, Dunstall, all those. Yeah, look, yeah, um, he, that's one of the best performances. Incredible, for, uh, for, yeah, incredible. He could have, he should have kicked more. Um, so yeah, the three of us will go to Kaziski, but Jake, um, Jacob O'Meara, nice. Um, yeah, no, um, Jago O'Meara, um, Jaguar O'Meara, whatever you want to call him. Jacob. Um, <laughs> Jacob. Uh, 31 touches. Uh, he was a clearance beast. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, he was just, he, he was running it through the midfield. I think he's more impactful than Tom Mitchell, just quietly. Um, and yeah, Ben Keyes will grab the one. But Essendon Collingwood, look, for him. Just, just sorry, Tom. Yeah, I know. I know. Jeez, it's pretty stiff to give him the one, though. And when. Oh, uh, yeah, right, fine. Right. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll give Ben a two. We'll give Jacob. Yeah, we'll give Jacob the three and and Jacob the one. You happy? You gonna sue me? Thanks, Jacob. Um, and Collingwood. Look, it lived up to its billing. It was a great game, but I mean, um, that's just uh, neither team's gonna feature in finals for mine. Um, maybe Essendon could. I don't know, but look it was it was a tightly contested game that's what everyone wanted multiple lead changes um the scoring worm had a rough day at it um it was yeah just up and down and up and down but look Essendon were too classy at the end of the day and Collingwood just disposal efficiency is embarrassing so um yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you like it was it was tick for tack right I mean Essendon obviously won by what 24 points in the end um, mm-hmm. But I think throughout the game, Essendon just allowed you guys to score some really cheap goals. They outclassed the Collingwood outfit. Oh, yeah. Oh, 24 to me seemed, seemed bizarre. Like the fact Collingwood was in the lead at the start of the um, the fourth quarter um, when Brody Majacek sent one through the big sticks. But that that amazed me because I, I, I just didn't think at any point throughout that game, yeah. apart from in the first yeah, five minutes... That we were a chance because Essendon were all over us. I mean, they were eating us alive. Parish and Merritt were just, you know, tattooing that football during the game. I mean, Dars Parish was pretty much on the ball. Like he defined on ball. He had forty-two touches, a couple of goals, um, phenomenal Anzac Day performance. I mean, just incredible. Well done, Darcy Parish. He's they were playing him way out of position for so long up forward. Put him in the midfield. It's where he belongs. Because um, he can do that sort of stuff, uh, awesome. Merritt, he's just incredible. If 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 any other team poach him, oh, if if a, if a, if a team in contention poaches him, they're favourites for the premiership. He's unbelievable. Uh, just so much composure, knows how to read the game, and he and he look. It's just again clearance based. You can't you can't say anything else than that. Parish and Merritt had sixteen clearances combined. Um, Jack Crisp was unbelievable for Collingwood. Uh, he'd be leading their best and fairest by a mile at the moment. Um, but he uh, unfortunately he had no one else on the field with him. So it was actually Essendon, Essendon 16-13-109 versus Jack Crisp, 13-7-85. So, um, and McDonald tipping footy, um, incredible. Five goals. Look, I'll give I'll give him the five, but our defence was just putrid. So I'm going to say he kicked four yeah, goals. Yeah, no, there were a few little chip goals where he just, you know, got to hand the ball away. But... He, he played really well. Yeah. You can't have an own goal in football, obviously, but I think we can have an own goal if the defence is that embarrassing to the point where you may as well just add six points to the board. And I think that's... 
I think that's just what happened every time with McDonald's and Woody. Peter Wright, performance oh, of his career. Had a goal. Sorry, we had a goal. To, we had an own goal the other day. Oh, Lambstocker. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is that bloke doing off field? I don't know. Look, Peter Wright, um, career best for two metre Pietro. Um, two goals, ten marks. Yeah, he was killing him. He, 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 he. Fantasy super coach will say that Grundy beat him convincingly. But Peter Wright, if you were there... You know football, Peter Wright schooled the bloke, and geez, that million dollar contract is looking, looking. It's gonna hurt, like it could hurt Collingwood in the future. I tell you what, if they don't start to get some, if they don't start to get some purchase, it's gonna hurt. Um, Port Adelaide St Kilda, this one went to plan. Port just outran them. Too much class. Carl Amon had a career best disposal count. That was eight higher than his previous, which he set last week. So Carl Amon setting it a lot, a lot at the moment, um, with his midfield minutes. It just shows you what happens when you chuck a, sm- you know, a chuck an outside winger or a small forward into the midfield. That can flourish. Some don't, some do. Um, you know, Paddy Dow. I don't know about that, but you know, Carl Amon, go on now. Um, Ollie Wines. Get him in your super coach now. Bloke's only around five hundred and thirty k, and he's just killing people in there. I mean, yeah, and, I'll, I'll put him in. I'll and, put him in this week. And uh, Dan Houston, maybe you could have missed a week after you looked like you were going to be out for five because I took you out of my super coach and then you ended up playing. You know, good on you, mate. Um, and Tom Jonas, Tom Jonas, such leadership from the back, 15 marks. I mean, that says it all. We don't need to say anything more about that. Uh, but anyway, that was the longest segment in history um, on any podcast ever recorded. Uh, I've just received intel from our key from our chief statistician uh jack mccray so um (laughs) (laughs) would you would you believe it that in his off time jack is a statistician for the premiership quarter um in just phenomenal Alrighty, this week we are which we're we're trialing something new here at the premiership quarter we're introducing a new segment based off popular feedback the mayor of Bunnings, Altona, James Constantinidis, and his segment, Con the Ki- the Ticking Time Bomb. James, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Thomas, um, and Mus. Thank you very much. And it's always a pleasure speaking with you, boys. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, without further ado, you've heard the uh, title, folks. Uh, Con the Ticking Time Bomb, and that's exactly what I'm going to get stuck into today. He's a, uh, basically, yeah. I'm going to be discussing the uh, Port Adelaide Prison Bar. Uh, prison bar Guernsey, the black and white Guernsey, which clashes with Collingwood's. First and foremost, I just think it's a classical example of give an inch and they'll take a mile. Mm. It's it's, uh, it's it's quite as simple as that. I think that um, Collingwood's leniency to uh, offer Port Adelaide the uh, the rights to wear the Guernsey on the 150th anniversary of the club's formation last year, I believe it was. I think Koshi at the Port Adelaide Football Club the president over there, has taken this um, and has taken advantage of Collingwood's uh, leniency. And I, I just think it's, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. I think that um, if the AFL can't decide on on the... Uh, well, obviously, Koshy's problem with it is that he would like to wear it for the uh, the Round 8. I think, is it Round 8 this week? Uh, yeah, or, yes. No, yeah, no, 7, 7, 7, 7. 7, 7, so he... he uh, so David Kosh is, is still awaiting um, 
uh, awaiting the, uh, the, the the decision by the AFL to wear mm. the, the, prison, the prison bar Guernsey for this week's clash against the Adelaide Crows. Mm. The AFL is yet, is yet to get back to David. Um, and I, th- I think he had a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a something to say in, in the media this week. He said that he was uh, pretty disgusted um, that he hasn't hasn't got anything back from uh, from the from the AFL. Mm. Um, but in, in light of that, I think that whilst the AFL does own the uh, intellectual property rights to all AFL clubs, granting that it, it, it's it's their decision to determine what clubs can do with the colours and whatnot. I think that at this point, if the AFL can't make a decision, it has to be arbitrated outside of the AFL if it, if it can't fall within their, their jurisdiction. I think that it needs to be taken to the courts. And I think that if if the AFL, you know, can't can't reach a unified front on the matter, I think both clubs need to present their arguments in the court system, have it arbitrated outside externally, outside of the football world, and uh, put this matter to rest. Mm. Uh, what do you boys? What do you boys think? Yeah, well, well, as you said, facts don't care about your feelings, and if you bring that, if you bring this matter before the court, I don't care what Koshy has to say on Sunrise. Um, the facts are gonna they're gonna prevail. So, and, and and it's it's just as simple as this: the AFL, you know, it, it, it's an organisation, and when Port Adelaide joined, they joined as Port Adelaide, right? Not the team in the Sandfell, um, not the Port Adelaide Magpies up in the Sandfell, and therefore they are a different club. They are. It's yes, they have their history, obviously, in the in the in the in the team that existed before they they joined the AFL. But they are no longer the Port Adelaide Magpies; they're the Port Adelaide Power. And Eddie and the Collingwood Squadron were nice enough to let them wear it last year. Um, and now, as you said, they're just taking, they're taking, and they are, and, and yeah, I think, I think it's just selfishness. I mean, a lot of people would say, would say, why do Collingwood care? Well, there's a number of reasons why. It's trademarked. It's a legal thing. And I don't think there's anything Barry from Karam Downs knows about the importance of a trademark. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just that simple. You're 100% right, and when you touched on earlier about um, they're taking, they're taking, they're taking, that's exactly it. Port Adelaide is just simply taking advantage of the opportunity that the Collingwood Football Club granted them last year uh, to to wear their Guernsey on the 150th um, mm. anniversary of, of the club's formation. And that was, as you said, when they were the Port Adelaide Magpies or, Magpies or whatever they were 150 years ago. Magpies. Mm. <laughs> Now, understandably, Koshi has requested the, the Guernsey to be worn for showdowns only. Mm. He hasn't said anything. It hasn't said anything about home and away clashes. But bring, drawing back to what I said at the opening of this segment, give an inch and they'll take a mile. Mm. If you give this, if you allow this to happen, when will it end? When will it be like, okay, showdowns now, let's have it for home and away clashes. Showdowns now, maybe let's have it just for away clashes except for Collingwood. When does it end? When do you draw the line in the sand? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And, you know, I, I was doing a bit of research on it the other day. And turns out Port Adelaide's first Guernsey was blue and pink. Now, right, yeah. uh, I don't know what was going on in the brain department or the design department. Actually, the TBQ's chief architect would be Mars. Must blue and pink? Do they on the color wheel? What are we doing there? You know what? Blue and pink actually match. Yeah, they're actually a, 
Actually, green and pink are the the contrasting colour. But blue and pink, I don't know. Look on a on a Guernsey, no, no, no way, no. What are we doing? Have you seen uh, rising TCs Guernsey? Have you seen that? With the mountains. Rising TCs. Why yeah. Why rising would our audience care about the Rising Track Club? Well, that's a blue and pink uniform, Tom. And, uh, yeah. All, res- all respect to Will Lewis and, and the boys down there. They're doing, brilliant. Right. They're doing brilliant work. But um, let's just try and keep the discussion football-focused next, Mus. Um, look, I, I think you... I think Tom, you asked me about colours. So that's why <laughs> I made input about... Okay. <laughs> I, really? I seriously, I just use it. I just don't know what Port Adelaide were thinking bringing in that colours game. But yeah, now they just want to. They they you know their most famous Guernsey is the prison bars. So they just want to chuck it on. But is it though? Is it their most famous? Yeah. Well, well, is it like I mean? I think when I when I, when I think Port Adelaide, I think they're they're, they're black, white, and blue. Yeah, they're they're, they're, blue, they're, 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 they're the the teal. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like that's that that's the that's the the colours that they wore when they won their initial um their premiership in two thousand four. Yeah. I think it was something like that. And I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's just that simple. Collingwood are the black and white stripes. You know. Um. I. With, with the Port Adelaide um, jersey, I definitely think teal should remain. Yeah. And, and I think that's been the OG colour. Um, do, you, do you remember the um, that sort of like lightning bolt one that yeah. sort of started from the, the left-hand side of the jersey and ran over yeah. through into the middle? I, I don't know why we're changing everything. You know, it's just... No. I mean, you, you, if they found one that works, just keep it there. Like, it's iconic for a reason. I don't know why they're changing it, but... Yeah, no, nah, it, it looks stupid. It's just like Freo. Freo used to have the sickest Guernsey. Like, it was purple, green, and red. And now it's just, like, purple and white. Mm. And it's like, I well... Think it's just a, I think it's just a sign of the times at the moment. Everyone, everyone seems to be uh, complaining about the old and uh, in with the new. I mean, for example, the Coon Cheese and the, and the Fads and the... And the uh, and I think, I think there's been um, the Chico, the Chico Roll recently. Uh, oh yeah, names. I think the, the Carlton Football uh, Club theme song. Yeah, the Carlton Football Club theme song. Uh, oh, I heard just, about that actually today. I heard about that. It now. doesn't end. It doesn't yeah. end, does it? <laughs> have you guys touched on that? Uh, well, actually, I don't know whether we have touched on that. No, not really. I don't think we spoke about that last week, even though that was that should have been a shoe in for hot tape, but we didn't. That's really, yeah, it's really gone by the wayside that little claim that the same it's the same bloke that um, made the coon cheese claim I feel like I, I feel yeah, like to be it's the same bloke look, I, it is the same bloke and I listen to the song and he's full of crap to be honest look I mean I, 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 look I don't think that his views represent half like the Aboriginal community I don't think half the Aboriginal community cares anyway because Eddie Betts was asked and he didn't care so I mean I don't Eddie Betts representing the entire Aboriginal community ladies and gentlemen <laughs> then again, oh, 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 oh. but then again, you have to you have to consider will Eddie Betts care in ten years' time when he's retired? Well, for example, this, for example, yeah, exactly. That's oh, a very good point. It, it, a, a case can be made that he didn't care at the time when he was playing for the Collingwood Football Club, but now he's come out with all these allegations and stuff. For, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. To, well, that's it. That's it's a very good because point he, because because he's a current player of the Carlton Football Club. I, I think it it would put him in a pretty awkward. Position yeah. for him to comment in a negative light, um, opposing the the, the, the theme, for example, yeah. especially at the uh, the the, uh, the uh, end of his career. I mean, he's coming towards the end of his career now. You know. Yeah. Well, a can of worms everywhere at the moment. I mean, look, it's it's an interesting question. I I think I don't think it's going to come to anything. Um, 
because there'd be riots. There'd be riots everywhere. Maybe um, maybe Bruce Dool and Anthony Cudafides will come out of the uh, out of the uh, out of retirement. Jezelenko will come out of retirement and have a discussion. But yeah, like I mean, let's just let's just have a look at this, right? This is what this is what some of their Guernseys used to look like. Their Port Adelaide's Guernseys. I mean, look at that. Look at that. That's just colours galore. The only one I would actually really understand or accept to be Port Adelaide is the, is the the furthest left one that you just showed me, which is the one with the teal. Yeah, exactly. It was it's for yeah for those of you listening, it was it was black with with teal and white stripes. And it's like, oh, can't we just? I I don't know why that they haven't just you know brought out the prison bar stripes design, but just put teal on it. Like, is it that hard? Yeah, no, like exactly right. David yeah. Kosh. Mate, just get your shit together. I mean, I just I don't know why he gets so stuck up about these things. Like you know, mate, go, go, you know, go to your business. I, I, I just find some other thing to get mad about other than your your, your club's guernsey. No one cares, mate. Just play. Focus on winning the game. How about that? All right. Focus which, on winning the game. They have, they have been doing pretty well. Yeah, exactly. This, I mean, uh, season, so. why why are we complaining when you when your team is his favorite, her favorites for the premiership. I've just got no idea, but right. I think that was a that was a pretty successful first edition of uh, Colin the Ticking Time Bomb. We might have to get you back on a on a yeah, on a regular basis. From me, I'm making a petition to bring back the uh, the D's old jumper with the actual demon on it. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's a good question. It's on that. Why do Carlton have the worst name in the league? The Blues. Name. The Blues, yeah. Who came up with that? That is just a terrible name. It's a terrible name. What is the mascot? Yeah, a blue. Blue boy. The blue boy. Blue boy. What's a bagger? What's a bagger? What is a bagger? What is your football club? Mate, you sort out your stupid Collingwood magpies, and then you can get back to me, mate, because you guys were in a shamble. You're bloody on the bottom of you second off the bottom. You, you crap. All right, all right. I'm sure you'll be back yeah, with us talk. after next week. But look, <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. It was fantastic talking with you, James. So thanks so much for dropping in, mate. We're now going to shift over to our next segment, hot take. <laughs> there it is. Now, our first hot take for this week, uh, Tom. I'm going to ask you. Um, so coming out of the draft, what what should teams be looking for? Should they be looking for key forwards or midfielders? What do you feel is the most valuable asset for a team in this day and age? All right. I... <clears throat> oh, start. Look, we've sort of phrased this question in a way which we can't actually press a button. But if I was to say, are key forwards the most valuable asset at the moment? I would say yes. Um, it's a tough question because... You know, it, it actually really depends on the style of of play, which is, which is so the club, which is yeah. been, well, not just the club, but I think in general, like you know, which is generalized across the AFL at the time. So, for example, and it has to do very much with the rules, the style of play, which is allowed by the umpires. So, this this year we've seen like the resurgence and the renaissance of some key forwards, Taylor Walker, you know, um, Harry Mackay is really coming into his own. We're seeing players kick bags of five or six, um, and really the only thing that's stopping them from 
from pushing six or seven or eight is the fact that half of them can't kick straight. Um, yeah. Which, which is a whole other issue in and of itself. It's actually embarrassing, to be honest. But, um, you know... Does that, you only have does to listen... That alter, does that alter the whole key forward um, description? Does it, does it make them instead a, a tall marking player? Look, look. Because that's really all they are. Oh, I think get, Tex has got a good foot on him. It's getting ridiculous. But Harry, Harry Mackay, yeah. Oh, it's, oh, yeah, no, you're right. Tex actually... But the thing is, like, yeah. Tech, it's because Tex comes from... Like, he's a generational... He's been playing for generations now, so, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been through all the changes, and yeah, he's always been a good kick, but... Well, these, these new guys, like, well, Danaher, for starters, has been appalling. Um, exactly. Um, Norton... King, both the King brothers, I wouldn't say they've got the greatest foot on them. I reckon, they, I reckon they can get there, though. Um, yeah. Players like Norton, Disastrous. Um, good players at the moment coming through. Georgiades looks pretty solid in front of goal. Um, but he's not really, like, a massive player, is he? He's not very tall. No, but, he look, But you know, at the end of the day, he's confident in his routine, and that's really important for, for a key forward. Um, he looks like he's got that natural forward craft. But getting back to the question, I think at the moment, forwards are the more valuable asset. Like, if I was to go to the draft right now... For most clubs, and yeah, you're right, it does depend on the list of the club at the time, but in the general sense, if I was looking at, do I pick Jamara Hagen or Nick Dacos, um, you know, and I'm not, and it, you know, taking my Collingwood bias out of the situation, I'd probably pick Hagen. Um, Same if, you know, if I was to look back at picking Franklin or Ablett, I'd, and this is very controversial, I'd probably pick Franklin. Because I feel like, it's easier to teach solid midfield craft than it is forward craft. And especially given the fact that part of the part of a successful key forward has to do with their body shape. And that's something you can't obviously control. Yeah. Um, so I think key but forwards have are, yeah. like you've got players like Casbolt, um, that maybe go against that what you've just said and saying it's easy it's easier to teach forward craft. I mean, the bloke Yeah has literally had years of the best kicking instructors to teach him, and he still sends them out in the full. Mm, I like, think... He's got a great set of hands. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, but, you know, you, you, you're That's right. Natural. You're right. They're, but, you know, we've seen players like that, Travis Cloak and all that, players that just struggle yeah. in front of goals. I think but... it goes either way, really. It goes both ways, but I do agree with you in key forwards. But if I had to look, yeah, if I had to look at what do I build a football club around, I'd say the key forward's the most important position because... We're seeing at the moment so with so many clubs, Collingwood's the one that stands out for me. That over the past couple of years, they've had strong, they've had a strong and competent midfield lineup. Their engine, their engine room has been at, insane, but their inability to have a solid key forward. And yeah, like I love Mason Cox. I love seeing him kick three goals in two minutes in the final, but then he goes missing for half a season. So. Like, yeah, it's just not worth it. Maybe more exactly, and Jordan Degoe is not tall enough, and Brody Majek, well, you know, he's a blue collar forward, but he's not going to kick seven every week. So, I think a, a strong key forward is something that you find, you know, as we've seen with Buddy, once or twice in a generation, whereas good midfielders are coming around all the time. Um, on to our next must. This is a tough one. The Bulldogs are the premier club in the competition at the moment. And they're sport for choices to who they pick up. They've got Bruce and Norton are their go-to big forwards at the moment. They've got Mitch Hannon on the sideline to come, who's come over from Melbourne, as well as Josh Shackey. But they've also got Yule Hagen. Do they're taking his time? And Beveridge seems to trust the process. But coming up against Richmond this Friday night, do they bring him in? 
Be cool. I was just waiting for the second one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I reckon, yeah, they should definitely bring him in. Um, obviously, the dog's on a roll. Um, and I think there's some room for experimentation when when you know that... I, I know Luke Beveridge is probably thinking, yeah, the system works, don't change it. Yeah. But, um, like, the kid's not rubbish. He's, he's, he went, what, number one, for God's sake. And I think if he enters an environment very similar to... He entered this very professional outfit they are at the moment, very similar to the way that Bailey Smith did, there may be that, you know, um, it may push him to play a lot better because he, need, he feels as though um, in, in that environment that um, he needs to step it up. Yeah, well, I mean... He's a so, walk. Yeah, give yeah. him a run. Why not? He's playing well. They're playing well. So like, well, he's yeah, playing he's well in the VFL. He's been kicking bags. Um, so there's room to risk, is what I'm saying. Exactly. I think that's fair. I think you know, unlike many of the other, he's the only top five pick not to get a start yet, and the, he'd probably be feeling pretty shit about that. Geez. Oh, look, and yeah, he would. But at the same time, he's got it made. You know, he's walked into a, you know, imagine, like you know, Collingwood's going to get. Um, a shot at Nick Dacos this year, right? And the Dogs had a shot at Jamara last year, right? So the, the, the last year's number one pick and this year's number one, next year's number one pick are both going to be already pretty much assigned to a club, which is interesting. And whether that should happen, I don't know. But Yeah, that should be... I think we should do a hot take on that. That, that, should, that should definitely be discussed. But um, with Jamara, I think, you know... Compared to Nick Dacos, is going to be coming into a horrific side at the moment. Jamara's come into a premiership contender. So he's just biding his time, perfecting his craft, and he's going to be there for 10 years. So he knows that Jamara's there's no... Jamara's going to be playing finals this year. Exactly. But I think the thing is when, you know, in the situation that they're in, there's no... You might say, oh, don't bring him up against a side that could rattle him, you know, given how good Richmond is. But I reckon you bring him in, you throw him in the deep end against the best outfit. Make him, yeah. make him want to earn it. You know, they were saying yeah, he's right. got a little bit of attitude at the start. So you know, attitudinal problems at the start of the year. So I reckon he needs to, he needs to see what the task is for him. Um, all right. Uh, You're should up we next. move on? Yep, yep. Um, so you obviously are very irritated at the moment with your football club. Um, do you feel as though Buck should be keeping his job? Um, this is a tough one. And look, we're going to come back to this over and over again. We've spoken about it at length already. But look, we'll probably address it next week. So I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But the thing is, I think that Collingwood's been through too much in the past couple of years, whether it's list management, the, you know, the cultural accusations of you know racism and all that, um, losing a premiership and choking a premiership in the last five seconds of a game. It's just, you know, the debacle which has resulted, poor list management, as I said. The club's at its lowest point right now, 17th on the ladder after a horrific performance on Anzac Day. And I think you just can't justify Nathan Buckley, who's had 10 years to be to be spearheading this next rebuild. You can't... You've got to go after someone like Ross Lyon. You've got to go after maybe a former player, whether it's Nick Maxwell, who's already in the club, or someone else. You've got to go after someone, whether it's Luke Hodge, I don't know. Woo them to the club, change the culture, 
a, a fresh, you know, uh, a fresh pair of hands won't hurt the club. But unfortunately, it's just so hard. You know, even though Buckley's not a bad coach, you know, Buckley could go to another team and he could do wonderful things for him, but Buckley needs to step aside. He, you know, he's going to, he's he's proud. And he said this week that he wants to keep his job, but I think if we keep him going, I mean, I just just don't see us winning a premiership under him personally. And Mus, lastly, um, there's been a lot of injuries at the moment, a lot of soft tissue injuries. Um, and, you know, a lot of ankles, a lot of long-term injuries, Neil, Dunkley, Dangerfield, all out for extended periods of time, start of the game. There's been controversy over the medical substitute. Should we introduce extra bench players in a game of football? Mm. Why? Um, I feel like we shouldn't be. No, you know, I don't, I don't feel like we should. I I, the, the word feel is wrong. Mm. I, I, I'm going to put my foot down and say no, because you've got your bench. That's what you're given. That's what it's always been. There, there you go. You've got a squad of players, and if you get injured, bad luck. Mm. Getting injured is a part of the game, right? Yeah. And getting injured is um, your, it's your responsibility to keep your body fit. Yeah. It's the club's responsibility and something you can control. It's, it's, it's not something that just happens, you know? Yeah. Your body and your muscle um, condition, and I know I, I, I know a fair bit about this kind of stuff with all the sport and all the gym stuff we're doing, and we and half, half of the game, 75% of the game, is preventing soft tissue injury, mm. and that's, that's what keeps you ahead of the rest. And if teams aren't gymming properly or training properly and giving their players the right diet, or um, I don't know stuff like protein intake, super important for muscle recovery, mate. Mm. You got no excuse. So yeah, it, it's the bench the same. We're not giving these bloody teams a, 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 a what, what's the word a life a life. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah, okay, you know what I'm yeah. trying to say a life save or whatever. Um, that was rough. Yeah, a lifeline. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got there. All right, fair enough. Yeah, we got there. But yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. You, you get me. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's a good point because. It seems to be these days that coaches and players, are, look, they're a little, I feel like there's this almost soft culture sometimes. Like they just, yeah. you know, they can't accept the realities of injuries. You know, everyday athletes around the world are put through such unfair situations in which they get injured in the prime of their career. We've seen it happen to so many players when they're just, they're unstoppable and an injury that's out of their control Matt brings Rale. it down. Exactly. Great point. Matt Rowell, destined to be the star, the star of the game, the face of the game. He probably still will be. Um, but, you know, to have your two opening years ruined by extended injuries, like, that's just stiff. And I yeah, hope, obviously, doesn't turn into a long-term thing for him. But, you know, introducing extra players on the bench, as a lot of commentators have been saying, it's not going to fix freak injuries. Um, yeah, it, it won't. It's not um, like bringing think- in a fifth person is going to stop an ACL um, because, as we know, those are, you know, they're... Impact-based injuries—they happen when you yeah, get hard yeah. in a contest. People might be a bit pissed off with what I've just said because I'm not really taking into account that the sport is much rougher, or well, not much rougher. It is a rough sport, like it's a contact sport, and the rolling ankles, like Neil did, it's sort of you know you can't really control that. Like it's yeah. going to happen, but when I think, you land wrong. 
but you're right. It's, but it's, yeah, it's there's a, a lot of other stuff like hamstrings and all that. That's up to you, man. That's your, yeah. You're right. It's a, look. Goal. It's a pill that players just have to swallow. It's part of the game, and I think that if we start getting into this into this habit of trying to solve everything, you know, trying to place a place a band-aid solution on everything, you, you get stuck, uh, you, or or you just you really it's misinterpret. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you're right. You're right. Exactly. It's it's we're getting pretty philosophical here on the TPQ. Yeah, not even just footy. It's just band aids everywhere. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that'll fix it. Interesting. Know? ACL. Just chuck a band aid on it, mate. Yeah. Hmm. I think that'd be hilarious. But yeah. Um. I look. That's I, my hot take. Yeah. Look, I, it's a it's a vicious segment. This one. It is. No, it's a good segment. We discuss some actually good stuff. It is I always look forward to this one. Yeah. Well, I reckon it's time to preview what should be a very interesting round of football. <laughs> He's done it again. <laughs> All right, round seven's upon us, and it's going to be started off in quite a delectable fashion. Richmond and the Western Bulldogs. The Dogs, the hottest team in the AFL, as we've said, arguably the premiership favourites. Richmond defending a string of premierships and the active dynasty in the AFL. Mars, who wins and why? Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to say the Dogs for this game. Yep. Um, just just because of the, Rich, the Richmond, Richmond's form, it's been up and down lately, and um, I feel like the Dogs have been much more consistent. Um. But I expect I expect a fight from a, a Richmond side that um, has always had, well, for the last couple of years, have had this spirit and this grit. So I don't think Richmond will go down easy, but I reckon the Dogs will get over the line. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. I think some key outs for the for the Tigers as well, just just too problematic. Um, Dusty going to be out, obviously. Kane Lambert, I believe, too. Um, yeah. Oh, that's significant. As I said, that significant grit from that midfield, you know, um, lost and uh, it's irreplaceable at the moment. Um, yeah, look, people like Bolton gonna have to stand up, but I think the dogs, I think the dogs will run away with it here as long as they can kick straight. Um, I think they're in the right, they're, they're in a good spot. They've got some good ins. Um, they lose Dunkley in English, so that's you know, I guess that levels out what Richmond lose as well. So it's a fair game. No excuses for either club, but I think the dogs will pinch this. Um, yeah. Saturday afternoon football. Jeez. Collingwood and Gold Coast. This could potentially have the attendance of a North Melbourne game. Um, Shocking. I, I got, surely the Pies here. Look, uh, if the Pies surely. lose, um, then we've really got to start asking questions. I think Buckley will go... Uh, will be transported away from the venue in a all black tinted um, bulletproof car. Bulletproof car. Uh, look, the poor bloke. I mean, I seriously, I just, I really hope for his sake and for my football club's sake that, and the Holden Centre's sake, uh, and Gosh's paddock, that we can pull a victory here. <laughs> and Olympic Park. And Olympic Park. And the colours black and white. Uh, look, just, yeah, this is make or break. Gold Coast, it's their only game of the season. Well, you, playing. Could trans- you could be transferring over the prison bar. Yeah. <laughs> you could be transferring over the colours if you don't win this week. Just, yeah, we, we, should just, yeah, we should give up. We should probably give up the stripes if we lose this weekend. Um, yeah. Look, it's Gold Coast's only game at the G. 
uh, for the year in the home and away season. They've coming up. They're coming off their best win of the season, best performance against Sydney, forty point win. Still backing in the pies. Yeah, I can get pies. I'm going to tentatively back in the Suns just because I just don't have much faith left anymore. Um, oh, you know what? I'll go Suns as oh. well. Just just based off that last last week's win. I think. Sorry, you just reminded me. Um, yeah, that's a huge win. I think the the Suns are up and about. All right, GWS and Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. Thoughts? It is. Um, uh, Adelaide surely come back here to, to get to get up at home. Look, this. Like, yeah, I think they've been great. They have been great, but that you know they're, they're now two L's on the trot. They should have won last week against Hawthorne. Um, yeah, and, definitely. And they should have won the week before against Freo. So, a couple of disappointing yeah, losses I don't for the think Crows. If they lose another, it would pretty much nullify the great start they had to the season. So they need to stand up here. Um, Walker, who was so dominant early in the season, needs to recapture that form. Um, he's having twos and threes lately, but we saw that you know for the Crows to be any chance, he needs to have fives. Um, and they need to figure out a way to manage a forward line that's now got him, Fogarty, Philthorpe. There's, there's a lot going on back there. But I, well, I'm back in the Crows because this is as much about pride as anything else. Um, St Kilda and Hawthorne at Marvel, Saturday afternoon. I feel like Saints. this game might be forgotten amongst the rest of the round. But, you know, two Victorian teams, you never know. Saints, really? Okay. Yeah, Saints. Why? Uh, I, think, I think the Saints, I, I liked them at the start of the season. They've been a bit dodgy lately, but um, I think that win against West Coast wasn't a fluke. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they've got spirit. Uh, I don't know that the Hawks are really um, in great form, to be honest. So, Saints for me. Okay, I, I'll I'll pick. I'd almost call this a draw because look, Hawthorne. Uh, you're right. They're not <laughs> Hawthorne aren't in good form, but they did win last week. Um. That doesn't necessarily mean they are in good form because forms obviously are something is calculated over a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I think, no, I think this will go close. St Kilda need to win this. Um, that the key is though they're going to have um, they're going to have Paddy Ryder back, Patricio Ryder, um, him and Marshall. That's pretty deadly um, as a, in terms of a tall combo. Um, about to Max King up forward, who seems to be in some solid form. Uh, it's make or break for the Saints. Um, who are 16th on the ladder, astonishingly. Um, so it's just 16th and 15th. Yeah, the Saints should get this, though. Um, Brisbane and Port, Saturday Night Football. Uh, for this one, I'm going to... Oh, this is tough at the Gabba. Um, I'm going to back in Port Adelaide here. Um, obviously, Brisbane now with that Lockie Neal, I, I just think he's they rely on him too much, um, personally. Uh, and I think, you know, even though it's at, it's at the Gabba, Port Adelaide have just proven time and time again that they are up for the challenge, and their defence is so solid at the moment. they got the best defence in the league. Cleary, Aaliyah, Jonas, Burn jones Dust Burn-Jones, um, BT's favourite player, um, Burton and Hartlett. They're in good form. Um, your favourite man, Robbie Gray, is in good form. Um, yeah, love him. Yep. Yeah, Rob. Yep. Uh, Bob Gray, good stuff. Um, 
But yeah, I think Fags' boys are going to have to do pretty well um, without Neil, who obviously, you know, when 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 a player has a Brownlow season, you start to really orientate your your style and your and your you you play around him. So when he then goes straight out of the team, it's it's tough to make those changes. I think I think Brisbane is going to have to accept that it's going to be back to the. I, I think that they'll they'll be a low finalist this year, and I just don't. Think, I think again they just don't have it to be the premiership team. Um, yeah. Sydney Geelong at the SCG. Uh, Geelong for me. Big performance um, last week from them against yeah, West Coast. Yeah, big performance. Um, a ninety-seven point win performance, outstanding. No worries. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think that Sydney are playing as well as they were at the start of the, uh, the season. It's fair to say. Uh, they slipped into a bit of a slump, I'd say. Yep. Um. Yeah, I, I think I think the Cats will win this. I don't like either of the sides at the moment and the way they're playing their football. I, I don't think that either of these sides are really playing their best brand of football. Um, um, look, the the question is though, um, we obviously they played amazingly last week, but West Coast were putrid. Um, whether whether this is gonna like whether you know having um, Jeremy Cameron in will allow. Their forward structure to finally get some freedom and for them to pile. So if they pile an another massive victory, then we might change our minds. But Geelong for me. Uh, North and Melbourne. Um, wow. This yeah. is this is going to be this is going to be pain. It's uh, yeah. Look, to say the least, North's paying twelve dollars fifty to win. <laughs> look, oh. for a two horse race, they nearly bloody. They, they, were, they were in front. Look, I'm just going to say I've been I've been monitoring the odds, and Melbourne has moved out from a dollar oh two to a dollar oh three. So this Ladies could be this could be a uh, it could be a story down at Blundstone Arena. No, 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 no. North, North just have too many injuries, Tom. They got Tarrant, Polek, Anderson, Dumont, all out, all and and uh, and they're terrible. So Essendon and Carlton. And Luke McDonald's out as well. Look, I feel for North supporters. They're valiant. They're they're loyal. They're very loyal. But I think the, I don't think they have any faith here, um, and no one else does. This is this is top v bottom pretty much, uh, and yeah. I don't think I think the result will be as such. Uh, the match of the round: Bombers Blues. Um, key for both teams. Just as big as last week in terms of significance for the season. Um, um, Will we see the debut of Nick Bryan? There is speculation that he will be playing. I mean, Phillips has gone down again with an injury. You have to bring him in. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think he's coming in. He's, he's got to. He's got to be in. Um, trucker, trucker, bring him in, thanks. Be, uh, it's time. Um, oh, look, so you know, but you, then, then again, Peter Wright played amazingly last week, but he, he nah, didn't have... Peter Wright's out. No, no, no. P. Wright's not going to go out, obviously, but he was one of the, he, he got in the votes last week on Anzac Day. But um, for me, they he flourished not having to take every ruck contest. So I think it's time to bring in Brian as that as that key role. He's not going to get the three votes, but he's going to play the key role, which is going to allow them aerial dominance. Um, you never know. Um, you know, to booing in front of what will be fifty thousand plus at the G on a Sunday afternoon. You know, can bring out the best in players, but um, well, it's if they pick him. But because they seem pretty stubborn at this stage, not to. They've had ruck issues all season in terms of availability. They haven't brought him in. But um, the Blues, 
Uh, this is this is make or break for your football club. I'm just going to say. Yeah, um, I don't think we'll make finals if we don't win tomorrow. Uh, yeah. So it's a big, it's a big, it's a big game because not tomorrow. You go if you go two and if you go two and five, that will put you on par. That that will probably put you around 15th, 16th at the end of the round. Um, and there's not going to be much coming back from there. The discussion around Cripps and his signings only going to intensify. Um, Carlton have to try their hardest. There has to be effort. They have to put in 100% from siren to siren. Um, and the... Well, actually, this will probably be the game of the round. Uh, the West Australia Derby. West Coast and Frio. West Coast have won the last 10 of them. But Frio is in hotter form, I would say. Much higher on the ladder at the moment. Uh Four spots higher, actually. Seventh versus eleventh. Do you? I can't, I can't believe Freo's in the top eight. I know, bizarre. They've just snuck in there by winning. They literally have just done it so quietly. They, it's just, it's so true. I mean, they've beaten Adelaide and North Melbourne, so it's not like they've been they've beaten the Dogs and Melbourne. <laughs> no one have. But um, look, you, you're right. They've they've flown under the radar. David Mundy's had a brown low level season so thus far. So you know. Fair play, keep doing it, but they won't be. There won't. Well, there'll be no under the radar if they win this week. Um, this is their grand final out in uh, West Australia. So, do you do you agree with the latter? Do you, will will Freo get this, or will will West Coast continue uh, their record? No, I think it'll be a very even match. To be honest, mm-hmm. I think I think after last week, Freo's had a wake up call. Mm-hmm. They'll come out and they'll want to win. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's my call. Mm. I think, I think West Coast is still going to get this. I don't know why, um, but I feel like sometimes it is—it's just one of those—it's one of those days where I just think, you know, the West Coast players, even if they're in the worst. Form, I, I think West Coast have a few, a fair amount of injuries that that could be the problem. Yeah, the, you're right. No, you're right. And, and on paper, Freo should win, but I think. West Coast, if any, if at any point they'll rise, it's, it's this time. But they're not going to be flat track bullies because they're both playing at their home ground. But I think West Coast could get could get the chocolates here. Um, but either way, it's set to be a fantastic week of football. Thanks for tuning in on the Premiership Quarter, and we will see you next week.